You're tuned in to the MBIT podcast, led by Seamus Madan. Economic and financial topics broken down, educating you on your financial journey. Welcome, everyone, to the MBIT podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Madan, and today we have a special guest, uh, Jordan Gonzalez, a young entrepreneur. Who built a six-figure tech startup? I appreciate you taking time to be on the pod. How are you today, Jordan? Hey, hey, hey! I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Seamus? I'm doing good as well. First off, quick disclaimer: the podcast is uh, not financial advice and is for informational purposes only. Um, so, Jordan, would you mind uh, introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my name is Jordan Gonzalez, um, and I am a uh, you know an entrepreneur. I've started uh, my own tech company uh, called GeoSwap, uh, along with two other co-founders, who I got to shout out, Jason Bamford and Keith Doggett, um, awesome guys. And um, we basically, when uh, when we were in the University of Delaware, uh, we started a an app that became, wound up growing out of its app phase and turning into a digital marketing company that was based around some proprietary event technology that we had built. Um, and we wound up growing that business to the point where we were able to uh, to sell it, um, and definitely, I want to I can tell you a little bit more about that whole the whole GeoSwap days. Um, but after that, wound up starting uh, another business with uh, with another friend of mine, John Smothers. Uh, we co-founded a basically a content creation um, video creation studio, um, and that one was a little ill-fated venture. So right after uh, a really great success had um had another had a failure in that sense um and now and then went on to do some uh, some more additional advertising and media buying and now i do nonprofit uh venture consulting um well venture consulting with nonprofits as well as with for-profit businesses where i basically help them with their business strategy and their revenue strategies on how they're going to continue to grow um and offset all of their costs so that they can continue to scale and help more people and capacity build um, so it's been it's been a like you know I'm only 26 but at this point I've I've had a, a bunch of different uh, directions that I've really gone with with my uh, career trajectory and I think entrepreneurship has really made allowed me to do that in a way that keeps it interesting and engaging and fun um, you know so it's like it's just it's been a, it's been very exciting and uh, yeah I'm definitely excited to talk a little bit more about it <laughs> yeah it's pretty interesting how did you get started in the technology and entrepreneurship space. Yeah, so I'd always been interested in startups and business ever since I was, you know, a little kid. You know, like you're, I mean, you're you're running your startup. Even, um, yeah, I mean, I start or your uh, your podcast. I started my business when I was in college, but uh, I never thought of actually like really doing a real business when I was staying like middle school or high school or stuff like that. Um, so really, really just gotta gotta throw my uh, my flowers to you for for you running this podcast at such an early age. Um, but I, I would just, I'd always been interested in it. And then when I went to the University of Delaware, um, I saw that there was this whole entrepreneurship program, uh, or really this entrepreneurship club is what first got me into it. And I said, wow, there were other people who were also as interested in entrepreneurship and starting businesses that I could talk to. Like, please, like, let me, let me get in there. Um, and just as a result of being around them and, you know, being around that energy, it got me more and more excited to the point where um, I just needed to start something. I just needed to find a problem that I thought was strong enough uh, that I could do something to solve it. 
Um, and what what I initially I initially went to University of Delaware as a mechanical engineering student. And so I found a problem with how engineering students were being taught in that it was still really hard um, to become an engineer, to actually, you know, graduate with an engineering degree. Like I saw this problem of a lot of people wanting to do it, but it being really, really difficult. So how can I help? And that was, you know, combining really that problem solving instinct with these resources that I was having as a result of um, being at the University of Delaware around their entrepreneurship program, the two just kind of coalesced at a great time. And that's what kind of got me started along the pathway. Um, and then after that wound up, yeah, that, that business eventually wound up turning into GeoSwap, which was the company that we wound up uh, being able to grow and sell. But I never would have thought that that's where it would have gone when I initially started out. Um, because going to that entrepreneurship club meeting, it was a, uh, it was just a meeting in like a dingy attic. Like it was, it was the least, like, um, you wouldn't think that it was going to turn out to be this great thing, but like, they I, I, met, I somewhere, wonder, yeah, exactly. It was like, it was Mar like Mark, like, uh, like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, in his dorm room when he started Facebook, similar thing. No, and I think that that's kind of how it, how they all start. They're always the innocuous things that just like. They're real life that way, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, your mission was to help uh, other engineering students making, uh, to make it easier to become an engineer. Um, but what specifically uh, was GeoSwap uh, doing to make it easier? Ah, yes. So sorry about that. I made, I made a little bit of a making a little bit confusing. That first, uh, the first business that I started with the engineering education was called the practice set. Um, and so I started that business with Keith Doggett, uh, one of the, so the two of us would then go on to join a third guy to eventually start GeoSwap. Um, and the way that that transition happened was we met him in a, in a basically an accelerator program at the University of Delaware. So um, it, like, that's really how it started by just starting the business and being around the places that other entrepreneurs were. We start. We we co-mingled and started to meet other entrepreneurs and hear other ideas and see other opportunities. And so um, when Keith and I decided, based on our market opportunity, we had gotten some some advice on our market size potentially with the practice set um, that maybe we don't fully agree with now. But at the time, we didn't know any better. So we thought, okay, if this market's too small. We should move on to something else. And that's how we uh, we eventually joined Jason on uh with geoswap where at that point the the technology was basically just based around this idea um it was so it was so crazy different from what it wound up being um it was basically based around this idea of geofencing so that was really the like the whole of it he was like i know when you go to a certain area you should be able to get access to some info because you're there and i want to put that in an app and that was basically what the idea was at that time. Um, so, yeah, it was we were like, you know what? That sounds like fun. Um, Pokemon Go was at, at that time was really starting to pop off. So and that was based around that same idea of geofencing, like you were in a certain area so you could access certain Pokemon. So we were just like, OK, there's something here. Let's let's play around with it and see what we can figure out. But uh, that's really like. It wasn't like we we saw it and we were like, yes, we know exactly where it's headed. We had no idea. And we just thought we had something kind of cool. 
And that was all that we needed to really get started, to start building the momentum. Because, you know, it's it's never you're going to see exactly where it goes and then you just go there. You only see like the next step and then you just take that step and try to take another good step after it. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the process. A lot of beginning entrepreneurs might try to chase money or just try to build a company, get it to a million or something like that and sell it off and take the cash and run. Um, but if you're an entrepreneur, you really have to uh, you really have to enjoy the journey, and that's what you you really have to focus on. Um, because if you don't enjoy that, be, uh, building it into a successful company is going to be a lot uh, more difficult. It's going to be a lot more difficult. Exactly. Everybody everybody really underestimates the time it takes. Like yeah, you like you know like you said with Mark Zuckerberg. I mean Facebook Facebook exploded. It had some of the most explosive growth of any company that's like ever existed. And it still took a while because, you know, people didn't realize how like how it had to start growing out of like the dorm room and all of the all that really took that it took to get to that phase. So, yeah, it's a, it's a you have to learn to really blend it in a way that you can be excited about it and love it, because if you're if you're grinding yourself into the ground and you're just like, it's a sacrifice and I hate it, but it'll get me what I want. You're not gonna be able to stay in it long enough to actually get that result out of it, you know? You're gonna Yeah, quit. excellent point. And in, uh, in regards to time, how did you balance uh, to uh, creating a startup uh, with school? Well, it was, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was a little difficult at first um, <laughs> because there was, there, you know, you always have that balance of what's the passion versus what you also have the responsibilities to do like I, you know if i if i could have i would have done 100% business 0% school at that point but wouldn't have been very responsible so the way i really balanced it was um i tried to i tried to front load the work by basically it it was a little bit of a balance where i said the passion project the startup stuff is my reward for doing the work that i know i need to do with my with my schoolwork so I made sure that I got my schoolwork done first, because once I did that, then I was able to dedicate as much time as I wanted to the to the startup work. But the startup work, I, I, I that was the thing that pulled me like I didn't have to will myself to work on my startup. I, you know, yeah, I had to will myself to not work on it. So that was the thing. It was really just about making sure that the priority was the school stuff, because I knew I was going to work on the um going to be working on the startup. And, and another thing that made that, that made that easier for me to do was that I also interwove kind of doing that business work with my life in a, in a positive way. Like I made friends that were around the entrepreneurship space. So it was just, I naturally thought about it a little bit more and I was naturally a little bit more energized to work on my business. And I, you know, I had mentors and I would go to events. So I had activities to do. Like there were all these things around my business and startups that were just like, oh, if I work on my startup, I can make more friends. I can get more things in return. Like I, all these opportunities, like why would you not do it? So it was really about put up the school part first because the rest of it was so exciting. You couldn't help but work on it, you know? Yeah, and using it as a reward is excellent because um, if you're a real entrepreneur, you actually you actually enjoy um, doing the work uh, for creating your own thing. And um, if you have uh, school, and then if you do well in school, then you uh, get to work on it. That's a, that's a great strategy. Yeah, it's it's because it's because the progress becomes the like 
it becomes the thing that you just you love. You love seeing just you're getting, a, you know, anything happening. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the same with the podcast. You know, when you get that, when you get a new person that you're going to interview, when you see you get those new amount of reviews, you're just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I love this. Like, it's just it becomes a thing where you can't help but but, you know, dedicate time to it. Yeah, exactly. Same concept. Um, and what uh, on a separate topic for the last one, um, what problems like what were some of the biggest problems you encountered while uh, trying to grow the business and uh, what did you do to solve them? Yeah, well, so there were, you know, there are a lot of interesting problems. I'm going to try I'm, try, I'm going to try to think of like the non cliched answers, because like you can always be like, you know, you need more money. You always you could always use more money in business. You could always use more customers. Um some of the things that I guess I didn't see coming as much were um, you kind of don't know what you don't know. So that's that's there's always that challenge of there may be something coming that you don't even see coming because you're not because you didn't know to even look for it. Like, for example, um, with our with GeoSwap, when we were building it, um, like, you know, there, there was there was even sometimes just the challenge of dealing with the, the, the personalities. You know, I'm a very extroverted personality, whereas um, my one of our one of our co-founders has more of a muted. I don't I don't want to call out names to specific people at this point now. But um, but so one of one of our other co-founders had a more you know relaxed personality where he wouldn't necessarily voice his ideas until they were more fully formed. So that way he could have a really cohesive thought, whereas I'm the type to just think out loud. If I, if, you know, I want to have those thoughts out loud, that way somebody else can hear them and maybe help their ideas percolating. Um, and then, and we had a third guy who was kind of a blend of the three and uh, it blended the other two in a certain way. And the 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 massaging of how the three of us had to work together, um, it becomes a challenge because you have to be effective consistently. You know, everybody's had the challenge of working with a product, a project team um, where, you know, it it didn't work out as well as well as you wanted it to. Um, and we've all had those group projects where it works really well. Like it just goes really well, like you're all firing on all cylinders. But working with like a team for an extended period of time is like ebbing and flowing between those two sides. And, you know, you want to be more on the high performing than the low. But you know, every you're all people and you have you have different days where you're on different levels and everybody has different amounts of confidence in how certain things are going and how their performance is going. So it's like the management of personalities and, and keeping a, uh, a high quality work culture that I don't know, that just creates the right um, the right balance. It's it's a it's a it becomes a challenge and because you have to be very, very conscious of it. Um, if you're not actively conscious about trying to set a culture, then it, it becomes a thing where you have to realize, oh, OK, this isn't how we wanted it to be. We have to now fix these fix these uh, issues that we had um, a long winded way of answering that question. But I guess I would summarize it all to say that the, uh, the one of the big challenges is really, yeah, it's setting a culture of how personalities are going to work together, because if you don't then everybody's going to default back to just their own personality. And we all have different personalities. So that's why a culture is so important, because then different personalities can all say, this is the way that we agree to work together because it's effective. For sure. And your <laughs> point on uh, 
your point on people was an excellent one because a lot of people, uh, when they see, especially public companies, um, they just see a lot of the statistics and what they do and the website and what they're selling. Um, but really what makes up a company is the people and you really have to value their opinions and thoughts. Um, and you really have to take that into perspective if you uh, want to build a successful business. Listen, absolutely. Uh, overworking on my business and, and working in other businesses, something that I realized is that how you think about your people will eventually form in the culture. You don't have, you can't hide that. As a person who's setting that culture, especially when you're higher up in the decision-making process, whatever you actually think about things will come in the culture because your decisions are the ones that impact the business. So you have to be very conscious about how you think about your employees. Like, you know, you can, everybody can say, oh yeah, we, we care about our people. But if you don't really feel that, it'll like, you know, the employees will feel that, you know, if, if, you know, if, if I wasn't enjoying having this conversation with you, Seamus, you'd feel it over time, you know, I wouldn't be able to really hide it. Like, and that's the way that it works for everything, you know, so you really, that's why it's so important to be very intentional with that culture that you're setting. Exactly. Excellent point. All right, everyone, that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you for joining us on the MBIT podcast. And thank you, Jordan, for taking some time to be on the pod. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It was a great time talking with you, Seamus. And uh, I hope, wish you all the best and have a great one. Yep. I enjoyed talking to you too. Follow the pod so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star review down below and I will see you in the next episode. MBIT podcast, helping you to understand economic and financial topics. Hosted by Seamus Madad. Yeah, yeah. Apply them with current events. Trust you don't want to miss. Investing is new to many, but it's open for everyone, not just the wealthy and rich. Time to reach financial freedom. Risky, but it can be rewarding. This isn't financial advice. This is strictly informational only. Yeah, come join in. Right now's your chance. This is MBIT podcast. Yeah. Disclaimer. The MBIT podcast is reflecting the opinion of only the host. The podcast is for informational purposes only. The podcast is also not a research report. It is not a recommendation to purchase or sell any stocks, holdings, or securities. The podcast is also not meant to serve as the basis of any investment decision.